Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris and this week I am looking for the best book about Florida. Florida. <laughs> Obviously Florida. Welcome to the beginning of our 50-part series. <laughs> <laughs> As we go through each state systematically, starting with the best, Florida. And to help me are two High school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Oh, my God. A 50-state series. If anybody is still listening, they won't be <laughs> after, you know, Massachusetts. Uh, my name's Joe Holshu. Uh, I'm a high school English teacher. And Nick, if you were looking for a book about Florida, I brought a book about oranges. Uh, it's largely about Florida. It's mostly about oranges, but it was that's perfect. so good. It was so was, would you say, juicy. Hey. And so dang, I was just gonna ask if it was juicy. Mm, oh, slightly nice. tang. Was it slightly tangy, Joe? It was a little tangy, but in a satisfying way. Okay. Joe, how is your vitamin C levels right now? Oh, after the do you know like when we talked about Patty Smith and then I couldn't stop listening to Patty Smith? I've had the same experiences with, with oranges this last you can't week. Stop listening to oranges? I just can't stop eating them. My vitamin oh, C level them. is very okay. high. Okay. <laughs> Dangerously high. Yeah, I got one more joke. I got one more joke. I got one more joke. <clears throat> More, much like, much like, much like is <laughs> happening in Miami, Florida. The sea levels are rising oh. for Joe. That's good. Vi- oh. vitamin C levels. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I like how you took a really uh, uh, serious <laughs> and scary thing and made it into a just a hilarious, a, hilarious yeah, joke. Hilarious yeah. joke. Yeah, I guess I was gonna say yeah, funny joke, but yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. Yep, that's what I do. Mm, hello. I am a teacher. My name is Dr. Ian DeYoung. Mm-hmm. I teach high, high school English and I read Ernest Hemingway. The text that I read this week is beautiful and challenging. Also, I'm going to try to talk like Hemingway writes the whole episode, not the way his voice sounded because no one can do that, but the way he chooses his words. I do not know if this will, will work. Oh, it doesn't sound like it will. <laughs> May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> um, guys, I, I do, I do want to say, like, we do, uh, litheads, we listen to you. We pay attention to, to what you, you. Uh, what you say about us on social media, the, the buzz. Um, and we know that you compare us to Sufjan Stevens a lot. Um, and much like what? him, we've decided to, to do all 50 States, but unlike him, we're going to, we're going to actually pay this off. Mm-hmm. Unlike him, he, mm-hmm. he, uh, didn't, he famously stopped after a while, like three, um, mm-hmm. we're going to do all 50 States. And I just want to take from you, Joe and you, Nick, what do you think the last state we're going to get to is? Did you know Florida produces 40% of the world's orange juice? Oh, d- don't get cut into my time. <laughs> God, I have to cross no, actually, Joe, he's saving, now. he's saving you time because you don't have to say that. Uh, um, last state. Nick, Nick, as a matter of fact, I did know that. <laughs> last state. Um, I don't know. Do you think any state is deserving of, of last but not least? Mm. Probably Wisconsin. <laughs> could, could be, could be Wisconsin. You know, it's hard because my mind immediately goes to, okay, what's the last state I'll think of? But then the problem is, is it's the first state 
that you think of. So like the first last state I think of is Arkansas. I'm like, well, <laughs> Arkansas is probably low down that sure, 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 sure. So that's that's a sound strategy. Um, I guess just thinking about other strategic approaches, um, we could do like size. So like uh, Rhode Island could go last because it's of a little baby size or or alaska or alaska okay, the word the word alaska almost has the word last in it yeah if you would just oh, put the alaska. t to the can to a t alaska, alaska. you know alaska mm-hmm. so yeah these are all really good sound strategies that i think we'll probably follow through on for sure mm-hmm. okay so what's the what's the premise here oh boy <laughs> the truth is that florida became a state florida um which is um famously the the ear the ear canal of our country uh, Florida became a state on this date, more or less, uh, in 1845. Um, this is kind of like the, the birthday of, of Florida. And when I say more or less, I mean later this week. I know today is the 28th. I know, but just bear with us here. So we wanted to get you lit heads. We know everyone always celebrates Florida's birthday. I know. We I wanted to get you in the holiday. mood. Uh, get, get you ready for these celebrations by giving you some books about um, Florida. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of getting in the spirit here. I have a page pulled up of just Hemingway petting cats. Was guys, <laughs> was Hemingway the original Florida man? No, n- no. Florida man is like incompetent and like gross. Beer belly. He's weird yeah, and gross. But Hemingway is like also kind of gross, but in a kind of a cool way. Yeah. Florida man has no form. I was just reading something about poetry and cats, Nick, that I think you'll appreciate. Um, poetry? Yeah, poetry, po- poetry, poet, poetry, poetry, poetry. Uh, there's a writer, a poet called T.S. Eliot, and he writes this very like serious modernist poetry. And at one point, the interviewer asked him, hey, do you still write like your kids poems about cats? And he's like, oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. I still have a few in the drawer, but I don't publish them that often. I tried to write poems about dogs, but they just don't lend themselves to verse in the same way. Interesting. Which is just a great line because, Nick, Good. dogs don't lend themselves to verse. I don't get it. Nick, your thoughts on whether or not dogs lend themselves to verse? Well, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call it, strongly podcast, where every week I come up with a theme and Ian and Joe bring a book recommendation. And, of course, we have some rules to keep us on track. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers, to gentlemen. Okay. Uh, rule number two. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joseph. And rule number three, only winning matters. <laughs> a slight <laughs> revision to a previous yeah. uh, verbiage of that rule. Um, uh, Joseph. Mm-hmm, Nick. Can you please take 30 seconds and tell me what your book is about so I can uh, decide who should go first here? I would absolutely love to, Nick. <clears throat> That's Nick? great. Right into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? Banana. Na- banana who? I forgot how this goes. One second. Hey, oh, oh, knock, knock. <laughs> and that's your tie. <laughs> Orange and red, I didn't say banana. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> My book Joe, is Orange is Joe has turned the 30-second plot into an art form. How can he most, uh, uh, most creatively waste 30 seconds? <laughs> Okay. Uh, hey, Litheads, I'll just uh, chime in there for Joe. I think you brought a book about oranges. Ian, do you want to take 30 seconds and tell me what your book is about? I'd love to. <clears throat> right into the mic. A man tries to make a living in the Caribbean. His family lives on Key West. He smuggles booze and people to and from Cuba. 
He is not a kind man. He is not particularly a nice man, but he cares for his family and he will do what he must to provide for them. Perhaps he will break a few necks, shoot a few smugglers, flip off a few government agents. Perhaps he will survive. Perhaps he will not. Okay. Uh, and what was the name of your book again? <laughs> to Have and Have Not by Ernest Hemingway. Oh, okay. I've heard of him. Um, so mm. I know Joe really well. And if I don't let him go first so he can talk about his book, <laughs> he, he's not going to be a contributing member to this podcast. That's, uh, during, that's absolutely not true. Absolutely. I, I, I dig that. Do, do you feel that, Ian? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You can I see it. I can see him kind of like uh, he, he's moving, just he's vibrating in a very high frequency. Right. I'm just he's not bouncing up and down in his chair, but he is he is he's kind of levitating a little bit. Yeah. Joseph, what do you think about this matter? Mm, well, I'm just really excited about oranges. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Anytime I can have the stage, I think um, the, the show is better for it. Oh, <laughs> OK. Oh, well, <laughs> that's yet to be seen, but I do like the uh, building yourself up. So, all right. We're all ready for you to follow through on that big hype game here. Tell us about your oranges, Joe. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm immediately going to backtrack on that big hype because I brought a game. <laughs> yeah, but this game, I think it's going to work best if it has almost nothing to do with me. And let me explain the rules. Let me explain how I'd like to play. And um, it's going to require willing participation from both of you. OK, well, you mm. have you have it. Blind, willing participation. I'm not sure I can do willing participation. I can do right. Unwilling participation. Yeah, that, that, that's fine. That um, also works. <laughs> that's, that, that, that will work for this game. Yes. Um, so uh, you guys might know. Like Florida, oranges mm. can get a bad rap sometimes. Specifically, sometimes you'll hear people say that nothing rhymes with the word orange. Have you heard this before? Uh, sure. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Well, Eminem, famous rapper, not from Florida, from Michigan, famous rapper, he takes offense to this. And he has many, many songs in which he rhymes things with the word orange. Okay. Famously, famously, um, Eminem is very concerned about rhyming because mm -hmm. he does it in his in his right. songs for a living. And so I guess he just saw this as a, as a red flag to a bull. Real right. opportunity. He's an opportunist um, um, first off, I think. Right. Like people yeah. were yeah. walking around. They're like, you can't rhyme things with orange. Are you crazy? And Eminem was like, watch me. Mm -hmm. watch and then he was like, Challenge and then he was like, and then he was like, oh, there goes gravity also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was like that. He also said that. So this is how I would like to play this game. I have put together a list of all the things that Eminem has ever rhymed with the word orange. I would like ever? to <laughs> well, yeah, the ones that would work well for this game. Okay. It's impressive, Joe. I have just sent that list to Dr. Ian DeYoung of just the things that rhyme okay. with orange. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. I see it. And I will now read them aloud. Nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I would like Dr. DeYoung to get Nick to guess these words, but in the manner of, oh, what is the game where you like can't say the thing on the card? Like you can do anything. Joe, I you hate can. you. I hate you so oh, much. It's so is, good, I hate right? this so much. You're the freaking worst. <laughs> okay, so Dr. DeYoung has a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words in front of him. All of them more or less, like with a bit of a slant, with a little bit of a uh, creative enunciation, could rhyme with the word orange. Nick. Ian is going to try to get you to guess these seven words without saying any of these seven words. Okay. We can do this, D Ian. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm going to set a timer. Okay. Okay. Because for, I... For how long? For how long? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not For telling. 15 seconds, go. <laughs> okay. Um, 
let's set a timer for 60 seconds. Yeah, I'm also setting the timer for you for 60 seconds. Your time starts now. All right, Nick, what's the thing that you inject people with? You take a big, it's got a needle on one end and the plunger on the other end. It's the actual tool you use for it. Uh, Syringe? Yes, good. Next, um, what is uh, Oliver Twist really wants a nice big bowl of this. It's like a gruel type thing. It's um, I'm not familiar with that subject matter. Um, Okay, let's move on. Pasta. Let's move. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. Um, He was he was he was a king in the in Hamilton. His first name was George. George. Yes. Good. Um, What if if you have a a a door on your wall and hinge squeaky hinge? What would a, a hinge, yes. a orange. Yes, yes. Door, door hinge. Good. Um, if it's not quite three, and it's not, this is two words, not quite three, not quite five, what's in the middle? Four? Good. And the second half of this is what's the unit that's smaller than a foot? Foot. Four, four inch? Four inch. Good. Yes. Four um, inch? That's two yes, words. All right. Four inch going. is correct. Um, if you've got like a saw and a hammer, that's the two words. Second word, oh, saw and a hammer. That's going to be time oh. for you. Um, you got syringe. I think I got them George, all. George, door hinge, four inch. Um, Ian, do yep. you want to tell him what he missed? Uh, you missed probably the two hardest ones, three hardest ones. Okay. Uh, Oliver Twist wanted another bowl of porridge. Um, yeah. Which I don't know if you would have gotten. Um, storage. I probably should have tried that. Better, storage. Right. Storage. Like a closet and the last one, or something. Uh, Marshall Mathers. Right. We know you listen. We know you. We see you posting about us on Big social media. And we know that you've dropped our name in some of your diss tracks. Right. Stop rhyming orange with foreign tools. That's not even, there's no, there's no tools to be fair. I think in that rhyme, he was, I think in that rap, he was rhyming orange juice with foreign tools. Oh, well that's, that's not, that's a game design issue. That's not Marshall. Hey Marshall. Uh, thank you for your wonderful performance at the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago, um, last week, I guess. Uh, and also I'm sorry for being mean to you. I love you. Think you're great. I I also love M&M's. So, All right, Nick, I read a book about oranges this week, and this is, it was so, so, so good. A few things that you're going to like about it. First of all, it's it's short. It was 130 pages, Nick, which in the world of books, it's basically a long article. Okay, pandering. Does this guy only write really short books? Um, he, the other thing, as Ian is uh, talking about here, it is written by Big fan of the show. Wait, can't say that yet. 97 years yeah, old. Yeah, don't um, you dare. Don't you dare <laughs> take it 97 years us. old. It is written by one of our repeating authors on this show, John McPhee, who we have talked about before when he wrote, uh, when we talked about his book, Levels of the Game, the the famous U.S. Open final oh, between. Oh, not the guy who invented the uh, software. He no, this is not John McAfee. I think it's very important that you realize this is not the Dude. crazy antivirus guy. This is the gotcha. lovely old gentleman who's been writing for the New Yorker for 150 years. <laughs> He's so old. He's very old. If you remember John McPhee, he's this guy that's a little bit famous in the world of nonfiction. He is famous for writing these books about things where you think oranges, there's no way you could successfully write an interesting book about oranges. Mm-hmm. And then you read it. Very mundane. And it's the most interesting book that you've read all year. Right. 
I, I, I think I, I dig it. I think he won last time. Yeah. It, well, I think it might have been you. a cop-out episode last time. Well, take the, take the win. So, uh, okay. So this is about oranges. Uh, how is it about oranges? Yeah. So this book covers a, a bunch about it. So like just breaking down the chapter, it talks about, or breaking down the chapters, it Skin, talks about pith, it. Stem, okay. leaves, tree. So you're, you're joking, Nick. Yeah. But yeah, those things are all in this book. <laughs> would you say, would you say reading this really, oh boy, reading this, you get really pissed off? No. Okay. okay. Nick, this book talks about oh, important moments joking. for oranges in <laughs> history. It talks about like men and women who grow oranges, including this guy that they call an orange baron. It talks about the science of oranges, the evolution of oranges, all the different types. It talks about these things called orangeries, which were these kind of hockey orange gardens that nobility in Europe would plant to flex on all the other nobility. Um, and it became kind of this like orangery arms race. And it talks a ton about oranges in Florida. Yeah. When I want to flex on my enemies, I grow oranges. Oh yeah. So, 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 so it's funny you say that it was one of my favorite parts of the book. <laughs> Apparently at one point, one of the Louis, like Louis the 14th, there's too um, many to count. Yeah. Yeah. He was getting mad at Italy and he took an army. He went to Italy and he wanted to invade. And when he got there, he was so impressed by the art and architecture and like all this stuff in Italy, instead of invading, he just came back to France with a bunch of like, artists and architects and basically gave France a big makeover. And one of the things that he loved there is the really rich families, the the Medici family uh, chief among them, these really rich families would show off their wealth with these orangeries, which were essentially orange groves that they would plant inside their houses. Yeah. And he brought them back to France and it became like a sensation in Europe. Fruit and spices. That's how the world. That's that's what made the world turn back then. <laughs> Pretty much. So he. It, it's not like this book follows us. You know, somebody living down there who's growing oranges. Or there's not like a really narrative to it. It's just kind of jumping around on the topic of again oranges. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Like it is basically John McPhee went to his editor at the New Yorker and said, "Hey, I want to write this article about oranges," and his editor went, "Sure." Go ahead. So McPhee went to Florida, started reporting, started compiling notes, learning everything he could about them. Of course. Came back and thought, uh oh, this is much too long for an article. <laughs> yeah. How do you capture something as general as a piece of fruit? As orange. Well, but that's what he does. That's what that's that's what John McAfee does. My, right. John McPhee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, so like there's chapters, you know, you ask to just follow one person and, and go through that. Well, one chapter does, you know, sure, and sure. one chapter is kind of this baton handoff from the guy that plants the seeds to the guys that like, um, that formulate the fruit to the guys that like work on them in the lab to the guys that pick the oranges to the guys that turn it into concentrate, right? Like it, he, yeah, it covers yeah. a lot. He gets it. He gets at these oranges from every angle. Um, mm. okay, Joe, I'd like to hear uh, some some things about oranges, I guess. Oh, my God. I have so many things about oh, oranges. Do you learn anything about, oh, ooh, our theme. Yes. Do you learn anything about Florida? Or does just most oranges come from Florida? All right, Nick, as you know, <laughs> about a quarter of the oranges in the entire world are produced in okay, Florida. Okay, he's going to drop fact, some facts right now. Yep. In fact, it uh, outproduces the Wikipedia next Joe countries. over here. Well, no, oranges by John McPhee, uh, <laughs> Joe. Uh, it outproduces the next catchy. three countries. Um. Oh, this is kind of cool. Frost doesn't freeze very often in Florida, Nick, as you might know. Mm. 
Florida has a reputation for being one of the sweltier states. Yeah, it's warmer down there because it's closer to the equator. Right, Joe? Right. Right. Yeah, that is how it works. (laughs) But when it does freeze, it can be devastating. Like all of a sudden, 25% of the oranges in the world don't grow that year or the entire orchards are killed off. When you go through Florida orange groves, there's standing piles of cordwood everywhere because if it gets too close to freezing, they just light a bunch of bonfires in the fields, like massive bonfires, and that's how they stop them from freezing, which is so cool. What's cord cord wood? Mm, cord cord wood. It's wood that's made out of strings, mm. just like computer cords, or yes, uh, it's like Cat Five cable, uh, USB. You know, like those USB cords that you have a box. I'm not going to get a home. goddamn straight answer out of you guys. Now I got to <laughs> Google cord wood. Cord wood. This is not a thing. Maybe mm, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I might have made a mistake. Cords, cords of wood. Cords, cords cord of wood. Of a cord. Wood. A cord is a measure of how much wood you can have. How much Nick. is a cord? Ah, uh, Nick. I mean, I don't want to just learn about oranges. Oh, that it's it's nine hundred and fifty-seven point five oh seven liquid gallons. Yeah. All right. No. <laughs> okay. How many gal? How many gallons of many wood gallons? are in your cord? A standard full cord of wood is a volume of 128 cubic feet. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's going to keep some oranges hot. We, of course, are recording this week in honor of Florida becoming a state. One of the things that led to Florida becoming the state was this uh, act of Congress called the Armed Occupation Act, which basically said, hey, if you move to Florida and you can like hold down land, right? We will give you 160 acres. Um, if you can hold that 160 acres for seven years, you can have it. And one of the big drawing things that brought people to Florida, Nick, was the possibility of getting rich by growing citrus fruit, um, specifically oranges. So oranges kind of settled the state. Joseph, mm-hmm. why should I read this book? Okay. The number one thing, the number one reason you should read this, the number one reason you should read this book is because you will learn so much about oranges. (laughs) I feel like, okay, I feel like, you guys, let's, I I think John McAfee's thing is like, John McAfee. Constantly, he's, he is secretly really persnickety. He looks around him at things in his house and says, hey, hey, John McAfee, can you make these random chuckleheads care about this vacuum cleaner about this orange about that dirigible and then he does he's good enough that he like sets himself these challenges and then he aces them right it's like Eminem rhyming the word orange yeah. he's like oh you think i can't do that watch this he actually talks about this a little bit and he says that about a lot Eminem. of he's say that again about Eminem. Got it. He talks He talks about this, um, his strange subject matter a little bit. And he says that one of the reasons it arose is out of necessity. When he started writing, when he started writing at the New Yorker, he was kind of put on this staff of a bunch of really talented writers, sure. as you could imagine. And he would keep pitching these topics that he wanted to write about to his editor. And his editor would just kind of like, gently shut him down. And he kept saying like, well, no, you can't write about that interesting thing because it's reserved for another writer in a general way. The food writer gets oranges. Yeah, right. Stuff like that. Well, you can't really write about that because it kind of steps on the history guy's toes. So oranges is um, among the first things that he reported on for for the New Yorker. And he talks about throwing the topic out there out of almost desperation. 
right? Like just like throwing it out there and being like, okay, fine. Oranges didn't mm-hmm. give any other information. I want to write an article about oranges. And his editor was like, oh yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. This is back in a time where like there wasn't bullshit content about everything, right? About everything. It's also a time when Hunter S. Thompson could be sent to Las Vegas to cover some races and him say, you know what? Actually, I'm going to do a ton of drugs yeah. and write about that instead. Well, and also Hunter S. Thompson could be sent to like races in Las Vegas to write the captions for yes, the photos. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> just wild. Just job. a wild thought. Anyway. Okay. Nick, I just want to finish my time by giving you my feet three favorite facts about oranges. Can I do that? Yeah, I would love that. All right. Nick, if you plant an orange seed, like if you take a seed out of the orange that you get at home and you plant it in the ground, yes. there is almost no predicting what kind of citrus fruit will shoot up from it. Wait. It, you might get... Mm-hmm. Yes, this is incredible. Yep. Citrus does not like truly like come from a true seed is what they call it. If you plant an orange seed, like you might get a grapefruit tree that comes out. If you take a seed out of that grapefruit and plant it, you might get a lemon out of it like what? It, it, yes. because it they cross pollinate each other it gets complicated even further by the fact that oranges are almost never grown on actually orange rootstock almost mm-hmm. every orange tree is built, grown on top of a lemon tree like spliced they're spliced that's exactly that's it. not that's not the right word for it it's grafted, uh, is the right grafted, word. grafted grafted but it's basically splicing no, it's not. Basically, splicing the same thing. The same thing is true of almond trees. As a matter of fact, if you mm. want to have good, tasty almonds, you can't grow them from almond rootstock. You have to mm. splice or graft. Um, yeah. See, so now you've got me saying it. Yeah, this is wild, Joe. Keep going. It, well, I've, heard, I've actually heard the same thing about apples in the past too. That if you plant apples, like you'll get apples, but the apples you'll get from edible apples will oh, oh, be yeah terrible. apples and also. Um, armadillos are the same thing. If you plant an armadillo, it yep. will not right. grow into an armadillo tree. For It'll sure. grow into It'll a pangolin, dogs. which is totally different. Um, what? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, Nick, my, my second fact we have already talked about is that these things come from yes, splicing yes. or grafting <laughs> these trees on top of one another. So almost every orange tree in Florida is actually grown on top of lemon roots because the roots are hardier and grow faster. And All right. We're living a lie. Keep going. And things like that. All right. Last fact that I've got for you, Nick, is if you ever sail around the Atlantic Ocean, uh, say in the way that the Portuguese did. <laughs> if it happened. Hey, you, you know, know, I'm a young guy. If you ever sail and you stop at a random island, it's almost impossible that that island is not totally covered in orange trees. And it's not because they're native to those lands. It's because once the Portuguese figured out that citrus fruit stopped rickets, Every time they saw an island, they would stop and plant a bunch of orange trees so that they could always like just stop really, and pick really some smart out. move. Really good move. Really good move by the Portuguese. Humanitarians. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's going on. Yeah. So, Nick, um, I finished my time today by saying that oranges are super interesting. John McPhee, we've talked about before, is a super good writer. Mm-hmm. Definitely not the guy that died in jail in Spain, but an actually really good and like nice guy that writes for The New Yorker. Yeah. Um, and you should read this book about oranges and also probably every other book that he's ever read, written. Yeah, Ro- the last a, a, a new ongoing series uh, to, to piggyback off of our 50 part series I'd like to uh, start uh, a, a new ongoing series uh, so we're has, already spinning this off yeah we're it, already it's spinning a, it's, off. A, it's a spin-off oh. although this one is a little bit longer it's got infinite 
It's an infinite part series. Uh-oh. Um, I'm getting nervous. This feels like it's going to be in retribution for something mm-hmm. I've done. Is, is this a retribution? I'm getting uh, those heebs and jeebs. No. As you know, there is a, a little uh, publication called the New York Times, and they have a lot mm-hmm. of books that come out uh, in the United States, and they rank them. And then they sell that <laughs> those rankings for ad space. <laughs> um, but some of those books are pretty good. So I thought we could start doing an ongoing series where we just uh, share some of our favorite New York Times bestsellers. Hey, Nick, I think I will bring a book from the currently on the New York Best Times bestseller list for hardcover fiction. Uh, it's been on the list for 61 weeks, which I'm no math guru, okay. but that comes out to eight years. Wow. And... Um, it's called the Midnight Library, and you know what? I'm a sucker for books about books, mm-hmm. and this is a book about somebody who finds a library. Um, I'm not talking about books about books. I'm talking about a book about the Lincoln Highway. A more towels the Lincoln Highway. Two friends escape from a juvenile work farm to take an unexpected journey to wait for it, Nick. Okay, New York City. <laughs> Hey, Ian. Yes. What Florida export are we going to learn about mm-hmm. with your book? Um, I would say masculinity. Um, the the, the export thing, of masculinity? Yeah, because many, many Floridians are very invested in this. Um, not least the man so nicely named him once. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Our friend Tremar, also known as Florida. I'd like to start with a game. <laughs> What oh, is- yes, two-game episode! <laughs> Double barrel. <laughs> and this game is called Tremar versus Ernest. Okay. Oh. Who said it bester? Okay. I'm going to read you a quote. Yes. This is either said by Flo Rida, the famous party rapper. Okay. Or Ernest Hemingway. Ernest <laughs> <laughs> Hemingway. There, uh, Ian, I'm really excited for this game. I'm. Is it going to be like really easy like are half of your quotes going to rhyme or no no uh it's it's um uh it's very it's actually kind of hard okay here we go i'm excited i tried to get paid but i got grazed the bullet went through tramar or Ernest? who said it best joe oh boy i i was gonna defer to nick um you're not I, i think i Here's the thing. I think Ernest Hemingway has probably been shot. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if he's been <laughs> shot while trying to get paid. I'm going to go ahead and say Tremar. Tremar. And I'm um, sorry, is that his surname or are we just, can that's we his, say Flow Rider? We can say Flow Rider. That's fine. Flow Rider. Uh, well, Flow Rider, Nick. Yeah, yes. sorry. Flow Rider. It sounds like uh, definitely Flow Rider. So I'm going to pick Okay, Flo you Rida. are both correct. An easy one to start you <laughs> off. This is definitely from Flow Rider. Here's okay. another one. We are all bitched from the start. <laughs> is there more to the quote or just that no these are all pretty short i think i think that's Ernest hemingway that's such a beautiful hemingway like it's short and pithy and uh, like just uh, the does, right amount of vulgar the, the the brevity of the quote definitely skews towards hemingway but i am gonna uh, once again say flow rider sorry to say <laughs> this is in fact Ernest. uh oh, yeah, congratulations you're up, you're up two to one thank you all right here's another one Never cross a man as far as you can throw him. Never put your fate at home. Definitely sounds like Hemingway. I see. I was going to say Hemingway, but then it kind of rhymed. Like it kind of rhymed at the end. Like I'm going to say Flo Rida. Okay. I'm going to say 
Hemingway. I'm sorry, Nick. Ugh. Joe's <gasps> right again. This is still flow right You're tapping into something here, Joe. <laughs> Joe, you're on a roll. I think it's all of the Eminem prep. That yeah, you're, you've week. transcended. Here's, here's, a, here's another one. Here's another one. Always do sober what you said you do drunk. Oh, it's definitely Hemingway. See, now I feel kind of compelled to choose the opposite, but I also think it's Hemingway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is Hemingway. All right. Last one. Okay. This one's for 79 points. The others were each worth 71 points. Right, right. <laughs> Ooh, excellent. <clears throat> oh, oh, sometimes I get a good feeling. Yeah, I get a feeling that I never, 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 never had before. No, no. <laughs> I get a good feeling. Yeah. He sings that song? That's that's a Flo Rida song? Um, Who knows? Or maybe I'm giving you a, a psych out. Ooh. No, what's the overlap here? Is it possible that there's a Flo Rida quote in a recent Hemingway book? <laughs> <laughs> Is it possible that Flo Rida was quoting Ernest Hemingway? <laughs> Flo Rida drew yeah. upon it. You know how these rappers love to sample oh, things yeah. that came oh, before yeah. them? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. this is an Ernest Hemingway sample in a Flo Rida yeah. song. And you know what? Ernest Hemingway is all about that good yeah. time. So, All right, who won? <laughs> I, think, I think I won. Uh, I, I'm sorry, you guys didn't vote. <laughs> You guys didn't vote. I, I think it is a flow. Yeah, it's a hundred percent flow. Right. Flow. Rider quote. Okay. Yes, that is correct. Um, uh, so each of you do win an orange, but uh, the price for um, the, the sort of submission price to, to play this game was also uh, two oranges. So please do oh. go ahead and remit the surplus orange to my, to my residence. That would be appreciated. Thank you. Hey, Ian, what is your, did you bring a book or no? I did. I brought, oh, okay. I brought Ernest Hemingway's book to have and have not. Um, it's a really, it's a really good book. Sometimes Hemingway feels like a bit of a chore, uh, just because it's, it's like so high literature, but this one, I, I have to go to bed at a certain time. If I don't go to bed, I get cranky in the morning. I wake right. up cranky. You need that eight. There, there are some books I read that I just push through that bedtime and keep reading cause I want to finish it. And this was one of them. Um, it's, it's gripping in a way that, um, some other, some other Hemingway is, is maybe less gripping. It's also very plot driven, which is not one of the things Hemingway does quite so frequently. What is the plot? So um, it's, it's uh, three, three kind of vignettes from in the life of a smuggler who lives. Say it Italian. What? Say it Italian. A vignette. <laughs> Anyway, um, um, so we get to see the smuggler kind of in action. We get to see him kind of failing and then we get to see kind of the climactic thing with his character. There's also a couple of subplots, most specifically um, this sort of a sad sack writer figure and author figure who is like his marriage is coming apart and he's a drunk and stuff. Uh, but, but that's, it's really about Harry Morgan. Harry Morgan is, is kind of the focus. Um, and he is really, really mesmerizing character. He is, um, he is your classic Hemingwegian, um, <laughs> macho kind of bravado guy. Um, there's this great story early on. Just, he just, he's fishing for a Marlin, this massive Marlin, and it just destroys their fishing line. And it's so well described. It's clearly the kind of thing that only somebody who's done this would be able to do this. Who's done the, this kind of fishing could uh, describe so clearly and so well. 
what what is the what's the premise of the book? What's what is the book? So the like I said, the first the first section is about him succeeding in his smuggling, and then the next section is about him failing in his smuggling, and then the last section is about how this his kind of character his character is always trying to to make that one big score. To, to keep his family uh, uh, well-fed and healthy. It's during the yeah. Great Depression, and um, they're not super well-off, and he has some kids at home, and he's trying to look out for them. And so... He's a gambler. Uh, yeah, he is kind of a gambler, but he's not, like, gambling. He's gambling with his life and with <laughs> his safety. And... Um, so he's a serious yeah. gambler. <laughs> <laughs> High stakes. Sometimes he, he scores, and sometimes... Um, he gets his arm Oof. shot off. Was that a that sounds like a problem? Yeah, it does not help uh, when you're when you're uh, boating and trying to shoot guns. No, no, you're identifiable missing an arm. I would think that'd be a problem for us mm-hmm. too. It's yes. like, oh, that guy with the one yes. arm, he's yep. always up to no good. So the first thing I think of is Han Solo, right? Like, and we could talk about the Star Wars parallel, <sighs> obviously. Um, but what is he? What is he smuggling? Like, is he smuggling? drugs is he smuggling oranges what what is he smuggling um so he actually he's the guy who smuggled john uh, mcafee uh over (laughs) to spain no 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 no. um no so so a lot of it is alcohol um a lot of it is smuggling um cuban rum into uh into the u.s um some of it is smuggling people so early on in the book he um there there's some human traffickers who hire him and he basically comes up with a plan to double cross them. And so they're going to smuggle some uh, Chinese laborers who don't speak English out of Cuba into America. That's kind of like cartel stuff. And mm-hmm. he, I'm trying not to spoil things here. He, 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 he's a, he's a, he's a monkey wrench in the works uh, for that, but he also wants to get paid. So he's got kind of this, like he has, he has a clear sense of like good guys and bad guys. And he, he has to work for the bad guys because when he does like legitimate work, like fishing, um, he gets stiffed. He gets, um, he gets stood up. So he takes this earlier in the book. He takes this guy out for a big charter fishing trip. The guy says, I'll pay, I'll pay. And then the guy skips town and doesn't pay him for like hundreds of dollars worth of damage to his boat. And he's like, okay, now I have to kind of turn to, um, Sucks to, him in, to huh? the, the, the darker side of, of things. Right. Like he tried to go straight. Yeah. He tried to yep. go straight. He yep. tried to be above board. And and the world won't let him. He, he's very insistent on doing it yeah. himself. And he wants yeah. to kind of like, he wants to have destiny in his own hands. And um, he really can't. Like the Is, book. This, this sounds like a classic Hemingway moral. <laughs> It's it's interesting though because like Hemingway is is sort of the apostle of individualism in terms of like you you the th- this this macho him. man goes yeah. out and does you know do his thing on the high seas and eventually hikes home with a fish or whatever but mm. but this is so so this is uh, a, a critics call this one of Hemingway's political novels because he's very much like hey if you in in in, in during the Great Depression if you try and do things by yourself if you try and go it alone. You'll be chewed up and spat out and the world won't care. Florida is a hard place. The world is a hard place. Bad things happen more frequently than good things. And um, especially in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. It's true. But specifically Florida. He's also he's also kind of grouchy about. Okay, so this is like uh, pro socialism is what you're saying. Well, not really. It's more just like it's more anti-corruption and like the big 
wealthy people crushing the poor honest people under their foot so it's oh, like oh the haves and the have nots <laughs> sure oh precisely seems precisely. reasonable so there's this beautiful like concluding pair uh, chapter um there's like an epilogue which um people say hemingway can't write women and he mostly can't <laughs> but this is a an incredible the epilogue is an incredible um narrative from the perspective of a woman um coming to terms with like a new life without um without her husband who she loved and before that, though, the last kind of main paragraph of or chapter of the story is this long, slow pan over. Uh, and that, that's like that's what it is. He's panning his camera over the yachts of the wealthy as they're like falling asleep, fighting, oh, no. screwing, um, you know, cheating on each other, um, mm-hmm. getting high, getting drunk, just all this sort of like very sordid stuff this kind of like and and Hemingway is like look at these look at these losers and then we go from that sort of long slow um really grim look at these look at these losers to our hard-working lower class um widow where is it in his career of of book writing where does it fit beginning middle end yeah this is this is kind of towards the early middle so he's getting close to kind of the, the doldrums he hit in the 40s. This is published, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, 37. So he's just sort of... And, and this novel, when it came out, was not very well reviewed. It was turned into a movie with, I think, Gregory Peck um, or one of those one of those handsome handsome 1940s guys, um, kind of hard, hard-bitten um, and with Nazis and stuff. It, it was turned into like an adventure <laughs> film and everyone loves the film. Uh but the film isn't sure. particularly close to the book because the book doesn't have Nazis. Right. It just has normal randos right. who are evil and stuff. Yeah, maybe similar beliefs, but they don't have the snazzy costumes. <laughs> they don't have the costumes, but they're just <laughs> as bad. Hemingway likes to likes to write what he maybe wishes he were. As a result, he doesn't write a lot of women because he seems to be pretty pretty secure in in being a being a dude. Um but this book, he, I think he, he starts to ask hard questions about like what happens, what is the end game of this machismo, of this bravado? Like where, where does, this is a good story until it's not. And so what happens when it's not? And, and what the beautiful thing about this book is what are the human consequences, the, the, the collateral damage? A lot of times Hemingway is like, yeah, and then we drank a lot, and we then we we ended up all separate ways, and it was fine. But this is like, hey, no, his choices affect the people around him, and we're gonna see where that goes. And did you like it, Ian? I don't know. It's it's a lot more powerful than any Hemingway I've read before. Right, like it's like a Hemingway book if you take it to its natural logical conclusion. It's like Hemingway's books, he always wants to cut off the third act or even like the the <laughs> end of the third act where like we see what happens as a result of this stuff. But this is like no, we're going to keep the camera rolling after, you know, the dramatic bullfights and stuff. After all this, we're going to see like the fallout Ooh. and the fallout is, is, I mean, this is a downer guys. It's like, don't no no bones about it. It's a great, it is a great, uh, uh, swashbuckling tale. There's like, if, if, if any of you have read, either of you have read, um, the Ian Fleming novel, Dr. No, um, with like kind of sneaking around in the, the, the beach thickets and the mangrove jungles. This is like proto spy novel stuff. Ooh. It's really fun, but it's not 
a particularly happy book. And that's because Hemingway is brave enough to keep the camera rolling. Boy, Oranges or one of the greatest authors ever. This is tough. When you say one of the greatest authors ever, I don't understand, Nick, because like like John McPhee is one of the greatest authors ever. Uh-huh. Like he's a modern day Hemingway. Uh-huh. Is he? Definitely. Oh. <laughs> you oh. heard it here first, ladies uh. and gentlemen. John McPhee. Oh, wow. Ooh. Your hubris will be your downfall, <laughs> Joe. Joe, you lose. Oh, no. <laughs> I legitimately did not know which way that was going to go until Joe said that thing. <laughs> I think, Joe, I think your author won last time. It's time to give Hemingway his, his, his oh, due. Yeah, his due. He's, you know, he's due for a win. <laughs> Hemingway is due for a win. Oh, man, this poor guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, congratulations, <laughs> Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> John McPhee, I'm sorry. I know you're alive. I know you listen to the show. I'm sorry I've let you down. I really like your books. Um, Lidheads, if you think we are They're doing supposed a to be bad great. job of selecting <laughs> themes and you don't want to hear any more state themes, um, you should probably go ahead, head on over to you don't know lit podcast.com and suggest a theme. Suggest a book. We read everything yep. that you write. Um, if you want to help the show, one of the best things you can do mm-hmm. is tell a bookish friend or head on over and leave us a review on the podcast player of your choice. So, congratulations, Ernie Hemingway. Congratulations, Ian DeYoung. Uh, congratulations, everybody but the Lidheads. Lidheads, you should read John McPhee Oranges. <laughs> that will be cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is um, this is a quote from uh, a certain part of the book where Harry Morgan's kind of in a bad way. Um, in this book, people are trying to understand why bad things happen. They're always trying to figure out, like, why is why is stuff happening? Why is this bad stuff happening? And according to Hemingway, only Harry Morgan gets it right. It's just why why do bad things happen to good people, Ian? Kind of, yes, kind of, yes. Like why why are bad things happening? Like he's maybe not a good guy, but he's he's decent, decent. Why are bad things happening to him? So he's been he's been shot. He's kind of delirious. Looking at him, Harry Morgan started speaking. A man, he said. Sure, said the captain. Go on. A man, said Harry Morgan very slowly. Ain't got no, hasn't got any, can't really, isn't any way out. He stopped. There had been no expression on his face at all when he spoke. Go on, Harry, said the captain. Tell us who did it. How did it happen, boy? A man, said Harry, looking at him now with his narrow eyes on the wide, high-cheekboned face, trying now to tell him. Four men, said the captain helpfully. He moistened the lips again, squeezing the towel so a few drops went between them. A man, corrected Harry, then stopped. All right, a man. The captain said, A man, Harry said again, very flatly, very slowly, talking with his dry mouth. Now, the way things are, the way they go, no matter what, no. The captain looked at the mate and shook his head. Who did it, Harry? The mate asked. Harry looked at him. Don't fool yourself, he said. The captain and the the mate both bent over him. Now it was coming. Like trying to pass cars on the top of hills, on that road and cube, on any road, anywhere, just like that. I mean, how things are, the way that they've been going. For a while, you're sure all right, maybe with luck. The man, he stopped. The captain shook his head at the mate again. Harry Morgan looked at him flatly. The captain wet Harry's lips again. They made a bloody mark on the towel. A man, Harry Morgan said, looking at them both. One man alone ain't got... No man alone now. 
He stopped. No matter how, a man alone ain't got no bloody fucking chance. He shut his eyes. It had taken him, taken him a long time to get it out, and it had taken him all of his life to learn it. <laughs>